Hi there listeners. Welcome to episode 242 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. The 2023-24 Women's Senior T20 Trophy was the 15th edition. The tournament took place between 19th October and 9th November. 37 teams competed in the tournament, divided into two groups of 8 and three groups of 7, playing each other in their group once. The winner of each group and one second place team progressed straight to the quarterfinals, whilst the second place teams in each group progressed to the pre-quarterfinals. The groups worked on a point system with positions within the groups being based on the total points. Mumbai won the tournament this time around. Now this episode will focus about the tournament and all the major talking points that you need. On the podcast today to join us for this discussion we have Mohit Shah. He is a freelance journalist who has been associated with ESPN Cricket for ESPN and Women's Cricket Zone in the past. A self-proclaimed cricket vegetable, he loves talking and reading about Olympic sports, kabaddi and the movies as well. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi Mohit, welcome back to Never on the Backfoot podcast. Uh, I'm really happy to have you here. And also just a quick uh, disclaimer to our uh, listeners that uh, Mohit has been doing amazing work on his uh, Twitter handle, you know, tweeting regularly about uh, this senior women's T20 trophy. So it feels really amazing to, you know, have him here and I'm sure you guys will also have a lot to take away. Hi thank you so much for having me like as always it's great to be on the podcast and it's one of my favorite podcasts and probably <laughs> the only podcast that I get invited to so regularly so yeah always a pleasure to be on this podcast and to be talking to you <laughs> right mohit uh, i mean how excited were you uh, for the senior women's t20 trophy i mean i'm sure you've been following the tournament for some time and in spite of the challenges of you know the matches not getting streamed or telecasted and you know having to follow the scorecards so how would you uh, narrate that experience yeah i was quite excited for this edition to be honest primarily because of uh three reasons like the first being that there's a t20 world cup that's supposed to happen next year which will be in bangladesh so which is uh, which are conditions very similar to india so this was a great opportunity for the young indian players or even like players who are out of the indian setup to make their case to be around the indian squad or in the indian squad so that was the first reason the second reason was I wanted to see what is the kind of impact that one edition of the women's premier league has had on the domestic players like mm-hmm. how much have they learned is there a change in how they used to play have they passed on the learnings to their teammates and things of that sort so that was the second reason and the final reason would obviously again be the wpl auction that's coming mm-hmm. up in december so i feel like this is the only tournament uh, that was definitely going to happen before the auction there's also the interzonal tournament but that is a much smaller tournament because this six teams and top hmm. say 90 players in the country or so but yeah this tournament is one where every single state is there all the all the top teams are there so this was a great chance for the for the players to like come into contention for uh, the wpl and also for the players who had been released after the first edition to state their case to like play for some other team so yeah these were like some of the reasons why i was very excited as for following the tournament like i feel like 
Uh, I've followed at least the last four or five editions pretty closely. <laughs> Before that, uh, it was very difficult to follow because there was uh, no live scoring and things of that sort. But yeah, the last four or five editions I've followed uh, fairly closely. Say every edition post the 2017 World Cup at least. Mm -hmm. Right. And it really shows, you know, even with your uh, observations that you've been following it for some time because of the nuance and uh, level of analysis as well. Now, again, you know, looking at this tournament, we saw how like the teams were divided into five elite groups. You had eight teams in groups A, B and C, and then you had seven teams in group D and E. Now, at the start of the tournament, who had you predicted would actually make it to the quarterfinals? And did your predictions come true? Uh, not all, not all. Uh, a few of them did come true. So like you said, there were five teams and the top two teams from each group would progress mm -hmm. to the knockout. So there are always the usual suspects who you think would uh, qualify. So Railways, obviously, then Bengal, Karnataka, uh, Baroda, uh, Maharashtra. Uh, Kerala has been a team that's done pretty well in the last few years. Himachal Pradesh, again, are a very good team. Have a few players who've gone on to play for India. Madhya Pradesh again are a very good team, and uh, Odisha are one of the more consistent teams as well. So I thought these were the teams that would progress. But out of these, a few missed missed out. Like Maharashtra for me was a big surprise because uh, mm -hmm. Smriti Mandana was playing the entire season, and that always like changes the dynamic entirely. So them not going to the knockouts was one big surprise. I thought Himachal Pradesh missing out in uh, uh, also was a slight surprise, I'd say, because they have a solid team and they've been doing well the past few seasons in domestic cricket. So that was another team that I expected, which didn't make it. And uh, yeah, like uh, uh, even Odisha didn't make it, but that any day can happen. Like there are a lot of good teams, so some good teams always miss out. The mm -hmm. one team that I was really impressed with was Punjab though because they topped mm. Group A, won all that seven matches. I didn't see that coming. Like I thought they would probably make the knockouts but then it would be tight between them, Haryana and Jharkhand because all three of them are teams that have a lot of potential and a lot of promising young players. So to see Punjab not just edge those two teams but also beat railways in the group stage and top group A was quite impressive, I thought. Definitely. I think through the tournament, we saw some really amazing uh, encounters or at least, you know, read about them uh, in the scorecards. But if you had to break it down, let's start with group A, right? What were some of your favorite matches and uh, performances that stood out for you? Yeah, like, like we were just talking about group A. So I'd say like the match where Punjab defeated Railways was definitely one of my favorites because uh, like we all know Railways like very rarely lose in mm -hmm. the senior women's T20 trophy or any domestic uh, tournament for that matter. So I think uh, the match I actually got reduced to 16 overs because of rain and then uh, Railways just could not get away like uh, one of the big problems for railways in this tournament was their opening partnership because uh, S. Meghna has not been the player that she used to be in the last few months. Like after going into the Indian team and being on the bench for so long, I think she's lost a lot of confidence. So they kept losing early wickets and their mm -hmm. other opener this year was uh, uh, Jhasi Lakshmi who's like just moved to railways this year. So railways lost a couple of early wickets and then... Uh, 
मोना मेश्राम एंड नुजत पर बीन लाइक स्टिच टूगेदर गुड पार्टनरशिप बट दे कूड नेवर लाइक एक्सेल रेट द स्कोरिंग रेट सो दे फिनिश विद हंड्रेड एंड टेन फॉर फोर इन सिक्सटीन ओवर्स विच इज not a bad score it's almost 7 per over which doesn't get chased that often in indian domestic cricket especially against railways bowling attack which is like almost as good if not better than the indian bowling attack like mm. for this match railways bowling had renuka singh thakur rajeshwari gaikwad sne rana punam yadav dayalan hemlata and tanuja kanwar so all six of them are real top class bowlers who can like easily play at the international level as well so for punjab to chase it down was quite an impressive effort and i thought like the star in that match was amanjot kaur because she got 40 of the 112 that punjab scored and punjab to lost a few early wickets so it wasn't a easy chase at all for them and earlier with the ball too i thought like amanjot bowled a good spell because Mm-hmm. it was her who actually dismissed meghna in the second over so i thought that was definitely the match that that i liked the most in group a fair enough and uh, moving on to group b again what were some of your favorite matches and uh, teams that really impressed you yeah so i'd say like group b was probably one of the most competitive groups when the groups were made because it had like four really good teams bengal karnataka tamil nadu and uttar pradesh like all these four teams are not short of quality players they are always either in the knockouts or very close to the knockouts so i felt like this was probably the group of death as they say hmm. so yeah in this in this group like i think the match uh, that stood out for me was one between uh, bengal and karnataka it came towards the end of the group stages and it was a uh, must win match for karnataka so uh, bengal batted first in this match and they put on 134 thanks to uh, richa ghosh like played quite a good innings coming in pretty late and priyanka bala also played a fine knock so bengal mm-hmm. finished with 134 for six so for karnataka to chase that down in a must win match was was a very good effort and uh, Brinda Dinesh was the standout player for Karnataka in this match. She got a half century scoring 58 in just 36 balls with 10 fours against uh, Bengal. Which again is a very good bowling side. Like they have a lot of India regulars and players who are probably on the verge of playing for mm-hmm. India. So yeah, the Bengal attack has Deepthi Sharma, who's probably India's best T20 bowler ever. Destita Sadhu, who's the new uh, kid on the block and probably somebody yeah. is going to like go on to lead the indian bowling attack that saika ishak who's who was the best bowler best indian bowler at least in the wpl last mm-hmm. year and then there's sukanya parida who's also played for india and is one of the better uh, uh, team pace bowlers on the domestic circuit so yeah i thought like karnataka delivering the goods in a must win match in uh, giving bengal their only defeat in the group stage was quite the display from them yeah and i remember seeing the discourse around the same on uh, social media as well like wow such a big upset and you know uh, there was a lot of uh, chatter as well which is uh, great to see you know there's you have the usual ones uh, <laughs> who continue to win and uh, i mean looking at group c like again what were some of your favorite matches and uh, players who stood out for you yeah so coming to group c i think this was the group where we had the major surprise because maharashtra couldn't make it to the knockouts in uh, 
yeah i i actually didn't have mumbai as one of my teams that would make the knockout because uh, jemi mas the only player in that team who's played for india and they have quite a few good promising players but like they aren't one of the big wigs on the women's domestic circuit unlike the men's domestic circuit where mumbai are the most successful team and always one of the title favorites so that is not really been the case when it comes to the women's domestic circuit so i think for uh, mumbai to reach the knockout itself was a very uh, very impressive effort in uh, i think uh, again the match that probably must have uh, given them a lot of uh, confidence was their win against delhi who are like one of the strongest teams on the domestic circuits as a circuit have players who uh, played for india they are former champions as well in the senior women's t20 trophy so the mumbai uh, delhi uh, match was really interesting because it was a last ball finish mumbai chasing 138 and they yeah did manage to get it of the final ball in uh, jemima rodrigues uh, wasn't even the top scorer in this match it was humaira kazi who got 37 jemima played mm-hmm. a very handy knock of 29 but yeah it was humaira kazi who top scored with 37 and kind of played the key role in that chase so for mumbai to beat uh, delhi was something that must have given them a lot of confidence and i think they just carried that momentum because they then went on to beat maharashtra as well and while defending 144 which i wasn't wouldn't say is a very big total against somebody like maharashtra because they had a lot of players like their opening partnership for this tournament was kiran navjire and smriti mandana who are like they probably two of the most explosive players in indian cricket and they also mm-hmm. had anuja patel in that top 5 again somebody who's played a lot for india won india a lot of matches so for mumbai to defend 144 against this maharashtra batting lineup i thought was quite impressive when the star for them in this match was saima thakur because like mm-hmm. she dismissed kiran navgire for a duck in the first over and then later when uh, smriti was completely in control and kind of taking the chase home she dismissed her as well so yeah that was another uh, match that really stood out to me in this group so yeah mumbai beating these two biggies was quite the effort definitely and we will talk about uh, mumbai a little later on in our episode as well because uh, what a tournament uh, they have had and uh, just dialing the focus to uh, group d again any favorite matches and uh, performances that particularly stood out to you uh yeah like the uh, match which here was key i say was probably the one between uttarakhand and rajasthan because uh, uh kerala kind of like had gotten off to a great start and they like won quite a few matches on the trot so it looked like they would definitely be going into the knockout so then it had mm-hmm. to be one one between uh uttarakhand himachal pradesh and rajasthan which would be the second team and uttarakhand eventually like we know went all the way till the final but one of their few losses in this edition came against rajasthan which again was in a final over finish so i thought this match again was quite interesting because rajasthan again are a great bowling side like they are one of the best bowling sides on the domestic circuit so as usual their bowlers did the job and restricted uttarakhand to 110 hmm. but rajasthan aren't really known for their batting and this year they lost jasya akhtar as well who was their best batter hmm. in 
a talismanic presence for them in the last edition and their success in the last edition. So 111 is not really a big chase, but for a team like Rajasthan to get that chase against a quality bowling attack like Uttarakhand, which had at least two bowlers who played for India, was a good effort. And it was their former captain, Sumitra Jat, who like uh, played really well, took the responsibility, scored 42 after opening the batting, and they got to, got home with just one uh, ball to spare. So I thought mm-hmm. like that was that was the best match in this group. Definitely. And uh, last but not the least, we have Group E, right? So what were some of your favorite matches here and any performances uh, that stay with you? Yeah, so here again, I say like uh, Madhya Pradesh are a proper powerhouse team on the domestic circuit in the last few years. More often than not, they are always in the knockout. So then again, here it was uh, mostly a battle for who will be the second team that goes through. And for that, it was a very tough fight between Andhra, Hyderabad and Odisha. Uh, mm-hmm. Hyderabad actually aren't really one of the stronger teams on the domestic circuit, but this year uh, they roped in Gohar Sultana as their captain. So mm-hmm. uh, she led them really well and they were quite close to the knockouts. But yeah, the battle for the second place was always going to be between Andhra and Odisha. So the match that was the one to look, uh, look out for here was the one between Andhra and Odisha. And again, this was again a final over thriller where Odisha batted first, but they somehow like only managed 126 in spite of losing just three wickets. Uh, mm-hmm. Because like I think uh, Andhra have a pretty good bowling attack, so they managed to contain them fairly well. So Andhra then needed to chase this down to like win and uh, ensure themselves or move closer to a knockout's berth. So. They did manage to do that. Like they chased down 127 uh, in the final over with five wickets in hand. And it was again their opener, Neera Gattu Anusha, who who was the standout player getting an unbeaten 62. So I thought this was a really uh, good match in this group. Right. And uh, after this, you know, group stage matches, we certainly were setting up ourselves for like a good set of knockout matches as well. So again, let's look at the pre-quarter finals. So again, what were your like major takeaways and uh, talking points from these encounters? Yeah, so like when it comes to the pre-quarter finals, I think uh, Uttarakhand beating uh, Karnataka was a big upset because Uttarakhand Mm -hmm. are a team who'd never even been in the knockout before. But Karnataka are a proper powerhouse on the Indian domestic circuit, have a lot of quality players. It's really tough to get into that team as well. So for Uttarakhand to like not just beat them, but beat them comprehensively, it was a 34-run win. And uh, this was um this was like the stage at which we got to finally see the players on our TVs or streaming devices mm-hmm. because the matches from knockouts onwards were streamed on TV. So like uh, the player who really impressed me in the match between Uttarakhand and Karnataka was Uttarakhand's left arm spinner Ramisha Bahukhandi. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, this was a player who was injured at the beginning of this edition, wasn't in Uttarakhand's playing eleven. So for her to like come back, come into the team in a knockout match, she just played, I think, one or two matches in the group stage. So here, like, she bowled the game turning over because she, like, got 
टू ऑफ कर्नाटका मोस्ट एक्सपीरियंस बैटर्स वेदा कृष्ण मूर्ति हुज लाइक ऑब्विस्ली इंडिया सुपर स्टार इन द पास्ट एंड ज्ञानानंदा दिव्या इन द सेम ओवर एंड दैट वॉज द ओवर विच एक्चुअली टर्न द मैच बिकॉज इट टिल दैट पॉइंट कर्नाटका लुक टू बी इन द मैच एंड वेदा एंड दिव्या वर स्टिचिंग अ गुड पार्टनरशिप टूगेदर तो फॉर अमीशा टू गेट बोथ ऑफ देम इन द सेम ओवर was really impressive so i think that she was probably the stand out player for me in this match and coming to the second quarter final that was obviously a very special game because uh, jemima got a 100 there yeah. it made the first player to get multiple hundreds in the senior women's t20 trophy so that was just a exhibition from jemima and how to play spin because andhra are known for their spinners and they have a very good spin attack Andhra's fielding also was a big letdown because I think there were a lot of misfields, dropped catches. But Jemima was just sublime, like scoring hundred and twelve not out, like that just ended the match right there because hundred and eighty-eight is almost an unheard of kind of score in Indian women's mm-hmm. domestic cricket. It happens very rarely, so I think Jemima's innings was obviously the big standout from the other pre-quarter final. certainly and uh, what about the quarter finals again any major uh, takeaways and uh, talking points from here yeah i think quarter finals had a lot of talking points because this was like probably the stage where there were the most upsets because hmm. uh, after looking obviously you couldn't see the matches in the group stage but based on what we've seen in the past and how the standings were in the group stage you would have expected all three of uh, railways punjab and madhya pradesh to be in the semis but all these teams all these three teams got knocked out at the quarter final stage so i think like this was the stage which was full of upsets in starting with railways like uh, railways got knocked out by bengal and it was a big deal because like in 14 uh in 13 previous editions railways had been the champions 11 times so they almost every time win the trophy they don't like get knocked out this early usually and it was a tremendous effort from bengal to just bowl them out for 95 and mm-hmm. then chase it like it, railways made their life really difficult the the match went down to the final over and uh, it was a very good combined bowling effort from bengal like there was no one player who took a lot of wickets but all of sita sadhu saika ashak meeta paul took two wickets each took crucial wickets so i think that match was uh, really impressive talking about the punjab uttarakhand match i think this match would mostly be remembered for like jasya akhtar's onslaught when she came into bat after Uttarakhand had lost the first wicket very early. So Punjab again have a very good bowling attack. They have a lot of bowlers who uh, either played the WPL or played for India as well. Mm-hmm. So for Jasya Akhtar to like uh, just go bang bang from ball one, which is what she does all the time, but to do it yeah. against this attack in such a high pressure match was a really good effort. She got forty seven of just twenty eight balls in. put uttarakhand so ahead of the asking rate that even though they lost a lot of wickets in quick succession at one stage and it looked like again this was this was probably the match of the knockout stages because uttarakhand i think needed 11 of the final over if i am not wrong and it was kanika huja was bowling it was a india uh, who somebody who played for india played in the wpl and manti joshi actually managed to get those 11 or 13 runs in just five balls in the final over hitting a six and then 
hitting a four as well and then taking a double. I thought I think it was thirteen needed of the final over, and they had only one wicket left. So for Uttarakhand to do that, like I don't think too many would have expected them to get thirteen in that final over, especially with Kanika bowling it. So mm-hmm. I thought like the effort from Manti Joshi as well was quite spectacular. Yeah, and you know, seeing the uh, amazing results in this uh, quarterfinals, what were your expectations coming in the semi-finals, and uh, any takeaways and major talking points? Yeah, like uh, I think uh, ahead of the semi-finals, I thought this was uh, Bengal's big chance to finally win this tournament because they've been runners-up as many as three times in the past, have been in the knockout so many times. And the team that they almost always or very frequently have lost to was Railways. So having beaten Railways in the quarterfinals, I thought this was a great opportunity for Bengal to go all the way. But uh, they didn't really play their best cricket in the semi-final. And I think a lot of credit also has to go to Mumbai's bowlers who bowled really well to like restrict them to just 117. And then... Uh, Again, like I think it was uh, Saima Thakur who bowled really well. She got two key wickets in the power play, dismissing both uh, Meeta Paul and Dhara Gujar. And then mm-hmm. Richa Ghosh and Priyanka Bala again like did a familiar rebuild job. But uh, both of them uh, like were dismissed by Fatima Jafar, who was one of Mumbai's best players right through this tournament. And then again in the chase, it was... Fatima, who actually like put on the match-winning partnership with Jemima. Like Jemima obviously did the bulk of the scoring. She scored 82 in a chase of 118, which I think is a fantastic effort, especially against Bengal. We just went uh, went over their bowling attack earlier in the show, so I'm not going to repeat who all their mm-hmm. bowling attack has. But for Jemima to lead from the front and play that captain's innings, was quite spectacular, I thought. The other semi-final was a low-scoring affair where Uttarakhand's bowlers just choked Kerala's batting lineup, and then uh, Poonam Rao just took the chase home. But yeah, I think like Bengal losing in the semis would probably disappoint them, considering they had beaten railways in the quarterfinals. But credit to Mumbai, like they did it the hard way, beating MP in the quarterfinals, beating Bengal in the semi-finals. So they beat some of the best teams in the tournament. So, like, credit has to go where it's due. And I think Jemima mm-hmm. was exceptional in this match again. Agreed. And uh, moving on to the finals as well, we saw quite a uh, riveting contest, right? So, uh, what were your like, major observations and how did you like the finals? Yeah, I thought, like, again... Uh, when it came to the finals, uh, it was going to be a very close contest because none of these teams traditionally have had a lot of success in the Indian domestic circuit, Uttarakhand and Mumbai, and both of them were playing a final for the first time ever. So this was easily the biggest match that most of these players were going to play in their career other than the ones who, say, played for India or maybe a WPL final. But Mumbai just, like, were clinical, right? from the outset, like, their, uh, Mumbai actually were one of the few teams that played three pacers in every match. It's something that doesn't happen very often on the Indian domestic circuit, but they had, like, three high-quality pacers, and their pacers just bowled so well in the power play. Like, uh, even when Poonam Raut and Jasya Akhtar, who are, like, Uttarakhand's two best batters, were 
sketching a partnership mumbai found a way like their leg spinner prakashika naik who was one of the best bowlers in the mm-hmm. tournament got jasti akhtar caught by jemi mad midwicket and i think that was a key turning point because then uh, after that manali dakshini came on to bowl and she got two wickets in her first two balls one of which was punam raut and then uttarakhand just never recovered from that and they somehow played out the 20 overs but they only managed 84 runs which was never going to be enough against mumbai especially considering the kind of form that jemima was in during the course of this tournament and it was again jemima who like uh, top scored with 30 remained unbeaten and hit the winning runs as mumbai won by 6 runs and mumbai's fielding i thought was not great throughout the tournament but in the final like they were very good even in that department so like their perfect match i felt came in the final where like all three departments did the job batting bowling fielding so mumbai just didn't let that inexperience show like they played like a team which has frequently been in these kind of situations mm-hmm. knows how to deal with big pressure and i think a lot of credit for that that has to go to the captain jemima because she obviously is someone who's played a lot of big matches been in a lot of high pressure situations so whatever it was that she did clearly work because like even in the field you could see she was always talking to her bowlers while batting also she was always guiding her partner mm-hmm. so a lot of credit for mumbai's win has to go to jemima apart yes, from definitely. the sheer volume of runs that she scored definitely and does this carry for the discussion now you brought in this point of how uh, mumbai had been such a prolific unit right under the uh, captaincy of uh, jemima so uh, you know going ahead in the future as well do you see her as a potential india captain you know if they experiment with split captaincy across formats and uh, she's certainly an investment for the future right and yeah definitely like uh, considering the women primarily play just two formats as of now i don't see split captaincy happening anytime in the near future for india at least like it can happen for uh, some other team but for india i think there are enough players who are regulars in both odis and t20is so i don't see split captaincy happening in the near future for india but yeah like from uh, what we saw from jemima right through this tournament she is definitely somebody who thrives with the additional responsibility and also manages to get the best out of her teammates so i definitely would say she is somebody who can uh, be a good leadership contender for india in the future currently obviously uh, we have harmanpreet kaur and smriti mandana but say four five years down the line considering she is still only 23 she definitely is somebody who can captain india before that i think she would probably captain a wpl franchise mm-hmm. because that is where you have the scope to groom a future leader so i think like yeah she is definitely ready to be captain of a franchise in wpl at least mm-hmm. so with this year that might not happen with uh, meg lanning slated to play for delhi capitals but maybe a year or two down the line she is somebody who can captain in the wpl and then later go on to captain india as well 
Definitely, that's going to be a sight to behold because we've seen her, you know, uh, come through the ranks as a teenager, making her debut and now eventually captaining India will uh, certainly be the dream. And uh, dialing back to uh, the Senior Women's T20 Trophy, now through the episode, you've mentioned a list of players who have actually uh, performed really well and, you know, who have caught your attention with their amazing performances. But if you had to make like a roster of like top performers from the tournament who impressed you the most, who would that be? Yeah, I think uh, somebody like Jemima was very impressive, but we've spoken about her enough. Mm-hmm. Among the other players who have played for India, I think somebody like Poonam Raut was really impressive because she played a key role in Uttarakhand, uh, reaching the final and finishing his runner-up. She almost like carried their batting single-handedly, played a lot of key knocks in the knockout stage as well. And uh, people might like look at her strike rate of 109 mm. and say that's probably not good enough. But then a lot of people don't understand how uh, how a lot of domestic teams don't have a lot of depth and how they are reliant on just their top three or four to get the majority of the runs. So I think she played her role to perfection, especially considering Uttarakhand had somebody like Jasya Akhtar who scores very quickly. So, Poonam Rao's role was more to anchor the innings and I think she got the job done. The other player who I was very impressive was Disha Kasat. I think she's mm-hmm. one of the best mid-order batters in India. Top run scorer in the previous edition. Uh, again, she was in the top 10 run scorers in this edition as well. So, I think she was somebody who was very impressive. Uh, apart from Jemima, the other batter who had a really key role in Mumbai winning the title was Humaira Kazi and you could see the kind of growth that has come into her game post getting the opportunity at WPL. She might not have batted a lot or gotten a lot of opportunities to bat in the WPL but just getting the chance to be in the same team um, that had the likes of Nat Verbrandt, Harman Preet Kaur, Haley Matthews. Amelia Kerr, you could see the growth in her because she's somebody who usually didn't bat in the top three for Mumbai. But this time she had a set role. She more or less batted at number three. And whenever Jemima didn't fire or even in the matches where Jemima did fire, she was the other batter who like uh, uh, was very consistent, Mm -hmm. played a lot of key hands for Mumbai. So I think she was another batter who impressed a lot. Uh, among the India players, I thought both Richa Ghosh and Shafali Varma were very impressive. Hmm. I don't think there is like any other Indian batter who can score as quickly as the two of them right from the outset. Like they don't need time to get their eye in. They can go big right from ball one, which makes them really special. Uh, the other young players who impressed, I would say, would be Shweta Sahirawat, uh, Parushi Prabhakar and Vrinda Dinesh. All three are openers. All three like to bat aggressively. Vrinda Dinesh more so than the others because she's a six-hitter as well and Mm -hmm. can find the boundary at will. Uh, Shweta, I would say this was a great tournament for her because she led India to that. She didn't lead, but she was the vice-captain of the Indian team that won the Under-19 World Cup. Didn't have a great Mm -hmm. time at the WPL. So this was a key season for her. So I think she batted really well. So, yeah, talking about the batters, I would say these were some of the people who impressed the most. Hmm. Uh, when it comes to the bowlers, I'd say um, it was, again, like two players who played for uh, Mumbai Indians who were very impressive. One was Saika Ishak, who finished as the top wicket taker in this tournament as well, after being the top 
wicket taker among Indians at the WPL. So I think she was excellent, got uh, key wickets for Bengal, bowled in the power play as well as at the death. Uh, among the pacers, I thought there were two or three pacers who really stood out. Uh, Jintimani, Kalita, Kashvi Gautam and Saima Thakur. Jintimani hmm. uh, was uh, the leading wicket-taker among pacers in this edition, was very lethal in the power play, got a lot of wickets in the power play. Again, somebody who I felt has improved a lot and gained a lot from the exposure she got at MI because she again played in almost every single match in the WPL. Uh, Kashvi Gautam is somebody who's been close to Indian selection. She was one of uh, the standby mm-hmm. players for the Asian Games squad as well. A very good all-rounder, captain Chandigarh on the domestic circuit. So she was somebody who was very impressive. And among the Mumbai Pacers, I thought Saima Thakur was really impressive. She led their pace attacks, like always took early wickets in the power play, struck in the middle overs as well a few times. So I think these were the three standout pacers. Among the other bowlers, I thought uh, Ekta Bish, uh, another domestic season where she got the job done, took a lot of wickets, mm-hmm. captained Uttarakhand fantastically as well. She might never play for India again, but I think she should definitely play in the WPL at least because she is still arguably one of the best, definitely one of the best spinners in India and arguably the second best left-arm spinner in India, at least in the T20 format mm-hmm. after Sai Kaishak, based on the kind of form we've seen in the last 18 months or so. So yeah, these were some of the players who I think impressed me the most in this edition of the Senior Women's T20 Trophy. Fair enough. And even as we look at this uh, tournament at large, any uh, young players, you know, who you think might actually get uh, picked for the Women's Premier League? Because we have the auctions, you know, starting in about a month's time or so. So a lot to look forward to. Yeah, definitely. Plenty to look forward to because I think there are 21 Indians, a maximum of 21 Indians that can get picked up at the auction. So again, like I was saying, I think like... uh, Parushi Prabhakar is somebody who franchisees would have their eye on because she's a young player. You can also like uh, develop her. Brinda Dinesh definitely will be one of the most sought-after buys at the auction because I don't think too many people can do what she does at the domestic level. Uh, Teams might also opt for somebody like Poonam Raut. If you have a lot of explosive players in your top four, then... She might, I don't, I'm not sure if a lot of teams will want somebody like her, but at least one team I think can do with a player like her. So she again might, not a young player, but yeah, somebody who can uh, get picked at the auction. Jasi Akhtar definitely not a young player again, but somebody who, like Delhi Capitals, you could see why they released her because they have a lot of top order options and she didn't get to play at all in the last edition. But every franchisee would be thanking them and I think she would again be a sought-after buy at this auction. Uh, coming to the bowlers, I feel like uh, Kashvi Gautam and Saima Thakur again would be two pacers who franchisees would look to pick. Among the spinners, I think there were a couple of leg spinners who were really impressive. Uttarakhand's Prema Rawat finished as the second-highest wicket-taker, uh, got crucial breakthroughs right through for Uttarakhand. She's a very uh, Poonam Yadav like leg spinner like who likes to flight the ball, turns it a fair bit, can deceive batters in the air. So I think she's somebody who might get picked 
Prakashika Naik again is a very good leg spinner, was the player of the match in the final from Mumbai. So she again might be somebody who franchises would be interested in. Ekta Bish, I think, should definitely get big. Devika uh, Vaidya had a good season and UP have released her. So she again is somebody who I think will uh, get picked. Parunika um, Sisodia again had a great uh, domestic season, uh, bowled mm-hmm. really well for Delhi, very young bowler, left arm spinner. So considering the number of right-handers that are there, I think she again is somebody who will be a sought after uh, by the auction. So I think all of these players should be among the top Indian uh, picks at the auction. Exactly. I think uh, we are definitely, you know, in for an exciting uh, auctions as well. And now even as India, you know, gears up to play Australia and England later on uh, this year, any players who you think could potentially uh, be picked, you know, based on like the top performers or uh, will India, you know, (laughs) stick to the same old uh, players who have already played? Yeah, so like both of us have uh, followed Indian team closely for many years and we know you can never uh, predict anything when it comes to India <laughs> yeah. selectors. It, uh, yeah, so that's a very tricky business. But what we can say, I feel, is like who are the players who deserve to be in the Indian team or whose performances have been good enough to potentially earn a call-up to the Indian team. So I'd say uh, somebody like Saika Ishak should definitely be there in the team for the England series. Because she's done everything she can. She's been consistent. She's like gone from strength to strength. So I feel like she's somebody who should definitely be there. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I think Renuka Singh Thakur obviously will come back having missed out the last six months or so because of injury. So that is another player who I think should come back into the team. Uh, the other two players who I would like to see in that squad are uh, Snehrana and Dayalan Hemlata. None of them were in the Asian Games squad, but again, in the senior women's T20 trophy, both of them showed what they are capable of. And I don't think there are too many players in India who can do what they do. Like mm-hmm. Hemlata, I think, is probably the best player of spin in India, apart from Harman Kaur and uh, maybe uh, Richa Ghosh. So I think she should definitely be in that squad. Somebody who can play the finisher's role for India, especially on pitches that will spin uh, in Bangladesh next year in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, if they want a backup opener, I think Brinda Dinesh is somebody who they should be taking a very close look at because uh, Smriti and Shafali obviously are the first choice openers and Jemima too can open if needed. But I think Jemima has done pretty well for India at number three, so they will play her there. But yeah, Brinda Dinesh is somebody who should definitely come into discussions for the backup opener's role because of how cleanly she strikes the ball and her technique also is very good. So yeah, these would be some of the players who I personally would like to see in that squad for the England tour Mm -hmm. or at least in the A squad that faces England A before uh, before the series. Absolutely. And uh, here's hoping, you know, even the team management has uh, made a note of uh, these players, you know, through this uh, tournament. And as we reach the end of our discussion as well, and I'm pretty sure I've asked you this question a lot of times. Now, what do you think are some of the uh, things that actually BCCI can do to amp up the league and take it to the next level? Uh, I think I've asked you this question even in the Sayyid Mushtagani Trophy episode we did last year because we've seen, right, how uh, the ECB elevated the 100, then even like Super Smash, 
the way it has been marketed, promoted, televised, it was like a whole different ball game, right? Now with the men's World Cup that's going on uh, parallelly as well, how do you like gain attention to a tournament like this? Because we did see quality contests, except they just didn't get the eyeballs that they deserved. So, what more can be done? A lot more can be done. To begin with, I think more matches should be televised. Like there are more than hundred matches which take place uh, in the senior women's T20 trophy almost mm. every year. And I think we had just uh, seven matches televised this year. So that's a very small percentage. Like you should be televising at least 25 to 30 percent of the matches. I get it. You can't probably televise all 100 matches or even if you do, then the quality will probably be compromised because uh, yeah, but I feel like at least 25 to 30 percent of the matches should be televised. And like you said, like there has to be more awareness. You have to like tell people that this is happening so that people can tune in and watch. Especially after the WPL, a lot more people are now interested in women's mm -hmm. cricket and there is a lot more awareness. So this is like probably the time to cash in and advertise it so that then those people will also turn up to the stadium during the WPL. So it will benefit you only eventually. And I think the players deserve that more than anything else, like you said. Because, like you said, the quality has been top-notch. There were a lot of tight finishes. Uh, all the best Indian players were in action. Harman Preet mm -hmm. Kaur obviously is at the WBBL. But every single other Indian player was in action here. And that's such a big deal. You never get that in men's cricket because they are always playing international cricket or some tournament. So very rarely would you see the top Indian players playing a domestic tournament. But that is not the case here. So everybody knows who Smriti Mandana is, who Richa Ghosh is, who Shafali mm -hmm. Varma is, who Deepti Sharma is, who Snehrana is. So might as well give people a chance to see their favorite players in action. Like, you don't, like the matches that were televised were of great quality. Like they had proper commentary, pre-match, toss, post-match presentation. So they had DRS as well. So mm -hmm. credit where it's due to the BCCI, but the number of such matches should be more. Like seven out of hundred is way too less. I don't say you need to like have DRS for every game or have like a eight or ten camera setup, but maybe you can even have a basic, four camera setup for a lot of matches and show them because um, yeah, like but those are like bare minimum and there's no mm. shortage of funds when it comes to the BCCI. So I definitely feel like they can do a lot more when it comes to uh, Indian women's cricket and its promotion. Definitely. Even now, like women's domestic cricket definitely would uh, benefit so much from this uh, boost. And it's not even a matter of funds, it's just intent, right? Which sometimes is uh, missing. And uh, as fans, you know, sometimes we end up sounding like old tape recorders because our concerns are not heard. But I hope, you know, the future editions, we get to see some improvement. And uh, yeah, just fingers crossed for that. And yeah, that pretty much does conclude our uh, discussion as well. Thank you so much, Mohit, you know, for once again joining me on the podcast and uh, sharing these observations about the tournament. Like for our listeners, you know, some of them who weren't able to follow the tournament at large, I think this episode will uh, give them the recap that they absolutely uh, need, you know. So thank you once again for uh, joining me and ensuring that. Here's hoping we can have you back again. And until next time, stay safe and take care. Thank you so much for having me. It was great being on the show and I look forward to joining you again as well.
<laughs> Likewise, Mohit. Cheers. Thank you so much listeners for tuning into this episode and for your unstinted support. Please follow and press the bell icon on Spotify and subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcasts for the latest episode updates and stay tuned. Do check out at the rate never in the back foot on Instagram and threads and at the rate never in the back one on Twitter now called X for the latest facts, updates, fresh content and a lot more that's coming up this cricket season. The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Spotify for Podcasters and many other platforms. So please do spread the word. Never on the Backfoot is also now on YouTube, so make sure to press the subscribe button and follow our content there as well. Until next time, stay safe and take care listeners. Bye for now.